transmitting my passion for football cost my family a couple living room windows. There's a difference to really being a professional footballer, being very talented. It was more of a profession, you know, opening up for artists like Buster Rhymes, opening up for artists like Wu-Tang, rapping on stage with Redman. It's like I was entrepreneurial from those days before even, before I even knew the word entrepreneur to tell the truth. Street smarts gives you a certain level of wisdom. It gives you a certain level of discernment. It's the trials in your life and the challenges in your life that prepare you to become who you already are and who you ought to be. And welcome to Everyday Leadership, a podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and life experiences my guests share in the hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in. don't already know i'm one this is everyday leadership and today my guest is someone who has taken his pain and turned it into purpose he's had multiple careers and those careers have been filled with so many experiences and gems that you're going to hear about as we start peeling back those layers today's podcast we're going to get real we're going to get vulnerable we're going to tap into some richness and some lessons. And my guest doesn't know what questions I'm going to ask him. And that makes it so much fun. It allows us to come and connect in such a deep and meaningful way. So without further ado, I'm going to ask my guests to introduce themselves. But I want you to give me your name. Oh, okay, wow. Wow, that's, that's giving me... <laughs> giving me a good challenge at the start, you know, and he's just giving me the heads up that I need to introduce myself. So, yes, so I'm a child of God, I would say. Um, father, husband, leader, um, believer, mentor, expert, um, author, podcaster, and, um, an artist as well. Um, so, and my name is Herman Stewart, aka the mentor's mentor. So I hope that that has surmised the vastness of, <laughs> of who I am. But I, I feel it's really good that you asked the question and it's really prompted me to, to see how authentic I'm going to be. Do you know what I mean? Um, in the sense of I'm not just professional I'm not just one facet of myself and having the courage to be one of me and share share me out right from the start that's the definition for me of true leadership of when you can be authentically all of you and just bring all those different elements and recognize that and you also speak to the how vast and how multifaceted we are as human beings and far too often, I think a lot of us just play in one lane where we're not made or created to play in one lane. We're made and created with multiple gifts and talents. And learning how to tap into those different areas is so important. And you are someone who has done that in, in different steps. I mean, for us to go back to way back, younger you, you lived... I guess the dream of Ray, a lot of younger men and women actually in in the UK. Like you were you were a footballer, 
I mean, my passion for football cost my family a couple living room windows. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember one of my boys got stabbed. It was just so traumatic. <laughs> we could probably do counseling about that right now. But yeah, from, from me being around seven years old, I just loved football. You know, I just played football. And from I was like 10, I got scouted to play for my district. And then all the way through secondary school, you know, captain the school team. Then at the end of, like near the end of my school career, I ended up playing for Great Britain, Catholic schools. And me and Paul Scholes was in the same, in the same squad. You know, and um, that to me, I was like, yeah, I made it <laughs> because that's all I wanted to do, you know, be a footballer. But, you know, there's a difference between really being a professional footballer and um, being very talented. There's, there's the world's apart, you know, because there's lifestyle that has to go with it and sacrifice and being guided to make the right decisions and not get caught up in, in life as well. So. So yeah, football was where it started, you know, as a, as a passion, as a pursuit and a sense of purpose. I still love that distinction between having a, a talent for something and being professional at something. Because I think naturally we just think, well, that's the other one in the same life. If you're talented or something, then naturally you're going to get that. But something that you said around actually not having the, the understanding of the people around you to be like, actually, no, if you really want to do this and nurture that talent, there are certain steps and things you need to do. That's quite a good perspective and way of looking at things, actually. I think the reality of it is, and, and these things that are always understood, I guess it takes maturity and, and a lot of self-awareness as well. That being talented is like the beginning. It's like the raw material. You know, um, sometimes... When you become professional, sometimes you can take the fun out of it. You know, um, when you're talented, you're just good at it and you really enjoy it and you love doing it. And there's probably, you're not putting any pressure on it. You know, it doesn't need to be how you pay your mortgage. It doesn't need to be how you're going to buy your mom a house. It doesn't need to be all those things. It's just, you love doing it. But then when it becomes professional and then it's more about training um, than playing. It's more about the discipline. It's more about the sacrifice. It's more about you can't be with your friends. You've got to do this. It's almost like you, your relationship with, with that very thing that used to be very talented at can change, you know, and you're just not as fond of it because it's changed and there's more pressure on it. There's more responsibility as you know as it says as the saying goes you know to whom much is given much is required from so I believe being talented is the start and I believe sometimes when people are talented if they don't have the right attitude um, it's easy to think the talent is enough but talent ultimately becomes skill you know, the more that you develop a talent, you can have a more talent. But then it takes repetition and practice and guidance for it to become a skill. 
And I think that that's a differentiation that when you're young, at that time, you're just not going to understand. I didn't understand anyway. Obviously, from a very young age, you wanted to be a footballer and having that dream and um, at 15, 16 years of age is very hard and difficult to take and to cope with. How did you deal with what I'm assuming is like your first major kind of, let's call it failure or end of a dream? I don't feel that I really understood the full impact of it at that time because a part of me wanted to do music, you know, because um, I was doing music at the same time, you know, like I was, I was rapping and formed a group from when I was very young and I was doing it and I enjoyed it, you know, I, you know, from the eighties, I was into the classics. I was into your public enemy. I was into your LL Cool J. I was into your, your master ace, your KRS one, you know, I was, I was heavy into hip hop music, like the greats. Do you know what I mean? Your, your, your Rakeems, you, you know, like anyone that knows, knows, you know, from hearing those names. So I was into rapping, you know, um, I was in a group at the same time, you know, formed a group and was rapping. So when I started playing football, you know, like had injury and it was kind of like a repetitive injury that kept coming and going. And I just got deeper into my music, you know, so it's almost like I just said, I'm going to continue doing my music, you know, so, so it's almost like, even though it ended, it wasn't like there was nothing, you know, like a lot of young boys that we know, they, they are in academies and they're going to become pro ballers and then there's no football and there's nothing, there's, there's no other dream, there's no other lane, there's no other vision. And that really impacts a lot of people significantly. Um, for myself, I just, I just took the other lane and I, I became a, you know, a professional recording artist, you know, so it's almost like I've seen that transition again from doing something I really enjoyed and it was fun and had the torch in the mirror and just really like, it was that, but then it became a professional career going to studio lane tracks you know making music and going to do stage shows doing radio shows doing radio interviews doing magazine interviews and it was still fun but it was more of a profession you know opening for artists like Buster Rhymes opening up for artists like Wu-Tang rapping on stage with Redman going on Radio 1, being on MTV, you know, um, I really seen a lot of great things come from it, you know, going to London, come down London a number of times, you know, Randy P, and spent time with Randy P, um, was on Numbers Show 279, a number of times on Choice, you know, like, yeah, done it, you know, <laughs> you know, um, so, so that kind of became a next career that, that I transitioned in. And it's funny because I see leadership all the way through because, um, when I was in football I was a captain, you know, predominantly playing a captain. And even when I never had the captain's armband and that kind of influence of leading others, you know, and then from going to music, I formed the group and I 
led the group tonight, helped us to get management tonight, went to spot to promoters to get on shot. You know, so it's it was like a different lay, but still a number of the same attributes and qualities going across. What's your group called? It was called MSI and Asylum, you know. So it was like the merge of two groups. It was MSI, that's the group I formed. It was, is which stood for Microphone Stranglers Incorporated. And then merge with Asylum and, you know, it was two groups together. And obviously you're not from the music world. And like you said, you're able to get out there and push the group and get promotion to management and do all the amazing things you're able to do. Where did that side of you come from to know that you could potentially do this and, and drive the group in that particular way? It's kind of funny because I was reflecting on this recently um, because when I was around around 17, I, I used to put on hip-hop jams, you know, so would go and hire the sound, you know, go and put down the deposit to secure the date at the, the venue, you know, after organized getting flyers done, booking security. If we were able to bring drinks in, you know, selling the drinks, like organizing the different, the different sounds that would come and play or DJs. So that's, I was doing that from when I was like 70, you know, and I put on a few events. So when I think about it, it was like I was entrepreneurial from those days before, even before I even knew of the word entrepreneur to tell the truth. It, it was just entrepreneurial and it was all about just making it happen. And, and then having good people around me that, that mentored me you know, whether it was, you know, more forward thinking or, or more advanced DJs or older DJs or older promoters, you know, because growing up in, in the community, I was always like a popular person, you know, so I, I knew a lot of people, a lot of people that was older than me and a lot of people like they knew before, like I'm playing football, you know, so I say, and you would have played for England, you know, like, no, I'm like, like girl fabulous from a young person do you, do you know what i mean um to then like being a sound you know being a sound you know when you got the mic you're just popular you know when everyone wants to kind of be around you and then you know and then going on you know radio being on radio tv being lented so, so in a sense like you're really pioneering i would say um because come from handsworth in a city of Birmingham, not the easiest place to navigate, you know. Um, and growing up, it was it was challenging, but was you know very friendly and new. Oh, you know, everyone you just you just get on, you know. And I feel that I feel the streets definitely helped develop my understanding. And I feel sometimes. Sometimes we throw out the baby with the bathwater when, you know, we try to reinvent ourselves so much. Like say you want to go from a very inner city, edgy experience and then you want to go into the corporate world or you want to, sometimes you feel it's almost like you got to reinvent and change yourself so much that you almost become someone else. 
but some of the things that you really develop in your upbringing, like like because the reality of it being exposed to real life living, a lot of street smarts gives you a certain level of wisdom. It gives you a certain level of discernment. It gives you a certain level of judgment. Like you have to be able to judge quickly. You have to be able to know. I can't hang around with this person and I need to hang around with this. But, you know, it's like you have, it's like 3.0, 4.0. Like you've got to have your head screwed on. And I think sometimes you kind of neglect that when we change lane. And it's, it's those same attributes that have come from football, that have come from putting on these events, that have come from being an artist, that has helped me to be where I am now. You know, but I've had to embrace all of it. You know, there was times that it wasn't reconciled. There was times where I was trying to be something else to advance myself, or I felt I needed to change for the level of change I felt that I needed to do. I could, I, I don't know if I could say it was necessary or unnecessary because I believe everything in every chapter of your book helps you to become who you actually are now. But in hindsight, which is always 2020, I, c I can see some things that I would probably help people to, 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 to learn in a different way or quick. I don't know. So I was, um, can I say, so I was asking that, um, I know as a young, young man growing up a lot of times, there's a lot of stuff that we don't share internally and we can easily wear masks. And this is even further exacerbated when you are someone who's in the limelight, which you've been as a football player, then into the music scene. So you're very, very popular. People know you There's that external facing persona that you need to give out to the world. But did you, was that really all of who you were or were you wearing a mask even throughout those periods when you start to look back and be like, there were certain things that just went right or certain things you just went clicking, but you felt the need to go along with them. Wow. That's like a, a kind of Dr. Phil question. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel this is a deep question. Um, because I, I feel like when, when I was an artist, you always, okay, let me speak for myself. I always was putting my best foot forward, you know, um, you always got to, you always got to be on, you know, you're a performer, you know, and it's just like any performer. You know, you probably never know what is going on in someone's personal life. You know, I'm sure when everyone was watching the finals the other day with, you know, Man City and Man U, everyone was showing up. But I'm telling you, the things that would be going on in their different lives, they've still got to be able to show up on the pitch. And it's almost like, how do you lock off certain things while you're still performing? You know, um, and for me, you know, growing up, there was, there was a number of different things that I weren't pleased about or was frustrated about, you know, being in the music industry is probably one of the hardest industries to be in 
you know, you can be so close and so far, you, you, you know, you, you put everything on the line, you know, the risk is, is high, you know what I mean? So it's like managing emotions and managing feelings, but then still being a person as well, you know, having a relationship, having a child, having, you know, all these different kinds of things. Um, and, and, and in a search as well, you know, from young, just really my pursuit and search in search of God, in search of the creator, you know, like, so, so that's always been going on as well. So, so it's been like a multifaceted experience, um, wear masks. Yeah. I was definitely wearing masks in different places. And sometimes I wasn't even aware I was. It's, I, I believe it takes a lot of courage to be able to, to start even looking at the fact that you're wearing masks and then looking at taking off these masks because it's about then when that mask isn't there, it's like who actually is there, you know, and that plainness and that, that vulnerability that is there, you know, that a lot of times when you, when you feel that vulnerability, when you're experiencing that vulnerability, it's difficult, you know, um, and I would say that that's something I definitely have had to experience. I've definitely had to go through that. I've definitely had to experience it. And I feel vulnerability is, is quite a difficult thing to deal with, um, especially as a man. I'd say a lot of times men, we always feel being a man means you're in control. Being a man means, you know, everything, you've got everything sorted. And the truth is a lot of times we just don't have everything sorted. And I feel that that has been, that's been difficult, you know, being able to to live with that. Um, so sometimes it's that, that facade or it's that persona or it's that camaraderie, it's that, that covering of how one is really feeling. But the reality of it is to be, to be honest and to be true, a lot of times you've got to let your guard down and let yourself be seen. And you've got to not care too much about what people think or not even care too much about what you think, what people think to give yourself true freedom, you know? So yeah, I feel that that is, that's a journey and that, that is definitely something that I've had to experience. You mentioned around you were, you were searching for a higher power, higher presence, God. At that point in time, was that something that you felt there was something missing and that's why you were looking for that? Or were you just searching because you just felt that there was, just, there was a void? Yeah, there, there was definitely a void. You know, I, I feel like this, this was um, a pursuit for being really young, just being really young, like really innocent, you know, whether I'm like four or five or six, you know, and I'm just thinking, like, what happens when you die? 
you know, do you just dream forever? Do you just sleep? You know, so those were kind of like the starts of my pursuits, do you know what I mean? And, and, and then getting different information along the way and, and just really what resonated with me is that there is, there is God. Like, this is too perfect. It's too perfect to be created without intentionality and without engineering. You know, like when you think about flowers and you think about the ecosystem of flowers and bees go to flowers and pollinate and get a honey and, you know, the trees like take carbon monoxide and make it into oxygen that we're breathing and our bodies being made up of 70% water like the earth is too engineered for it to be an accident so that to me has been like it's been more about making sense of that like this is what why am I here what is this about like why do I dream when I sleep? Why do I? It's more I've realized that there is a connectivity of of I have power that I see as God. That yeah. And 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 for years I was living out of sync with that. Do you know what I mean? Like I wasn't living in sync with it. So so I was struggling. You know, before I wrote a song about it, just calling about speaking about civil war. You know, it's like a civil war inside of myself, you know, and, and I feel that that was just a part of my pursuit to say, what actually is it? You know, so, so I feel it was just me reconciling that as a, as a inner awareness, it, you know, and it took, it took years and it's still taking it. You know, I'm a believer now. I'm a believer, uh, you know, Christian. But it's not like somewhere you just arrive. It's like I'm still working on developing my relationship and being a better husband, better father, being a better son, being a better entrepreneur, you know, desiring to fulfill my purpose. Um, and leave the world a better place than what I met, you know, when I came here. So it's just an ongoing, ongoing pursuit, but there's been different stages to it. Was one of those um, stages the the birth of your daughter suffering and how that begins to change your mentality, how you're looking at things as well? I feel that that was like a real shift. I feel... Being a parent just really kicks, you know, something inside of me just kicked in, you know, and I wanted more for my daughter than even myself. Like I, I learned to like have this kind of existence, you know, when you, you just go it all out 
and you know I'm working on be, being an artist and I've got the dream you know I can see I'm going to have holiday homes and I'm going to have my Aston Martin and I'm going to be doing all this kind of stuff you know and, and it was like a delayed gratification I could live with that you know during the pursuit but then when my daughter came it was like we've got another mouth to feed here you know I have to be a bit more sensible, less they would say, you know, um, manage my dreams. And, and, and that really helped me to start looking at what I want to do. And then I started studying counseling and from studying counseling, that really started to open up my inner world as well. You know, because my, my counselor said to me, um, my lecturer said, the first person that you have to counsel is yourself, which was like, whoa, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so for me at that point, I really was going through a lot of inner searching, you know, because, because when you're young, you, you're quite resilient. I'd say children are so resilient um, because they, don't understand the ramifications of a lot of things that's happening in their lives or what they're going through, what they're experiencing. They just don't understand the totality of it. A lot of times they could, they understand that they're sad or they understand that that's a tough experience. Or, but a lot of times they don't know they're experiencing trauma or they don't understand that them dealing with their parents separating has really given them issues around rejection or given them issues that has started to mold their personality. They don't understand all of that, you know, or they don't understand if they're the eldest sibling and all of a sudden, because of their family dynamics, they have to step in to the void and be more like a parent to their younger siblings to support the other parents. You know, they, 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 they no, I mean, their parents, because the other is not, it's like, it's like they're a child, but they're probably the eldest and more mature. They can support, they can cook, they can shop, they can do things that a lot of the other children are not doing. But it's only in hindsight when we look back and start seeing what are some of the different crossroads I've gone through, what are some of the different things that I've experienced that you could probably be in a place where you allow that impact to impact you. And that's what was happening when I was studying counselling, like I was looking back and looking at different points in my life and different experiences in my life. And I was like, whoa, I've gone through a lot. You know, like my parents separated when I was young. That was, that was tough. You know, growing up, seeing like some of my people that I know get murdered, you know, people get stabbed see you know lots of different things that kind of just never saw it as you know just moving on yeah you flow through you bear it you bear it yeah yeah so counseling really studying that really was like a game changer where it kind of made me be much more cognizant of some of the impact that i've gone through and then really having to go into some of that just in my own reflection, you know, and then 
counseling, when I really discovered what counseling was, I just realized that I wanted to do something different. You know, I did want to give wise counsel. I did want to give encouragement. I did want to give motivation, inspiration. And that's why I looked at mentoring and went into mentoring. Cause I knew that, you know, with counseling, you're not supposed to give advice. You're not supposed to give direction or guidance or, you know, you're meant to ask questions and reflect and read between the lines and create a space for someone to come up with their own conclusions, which in that has its own place and it's good. But as a practitioner, I see I wanted to do something different. And that's what, you know, counseling then led to mentoring. And that was, you know, the, the, the catalyst really was the birth of my daughter. Um, so I've just seen I needed to change what I was doing and get a career and I didn't know what I wanted to do. It's the first time in my life that I really didn't know what I wanted to do. The first time, because from when I was young, from when I was seven, I, I wanted to be a footballer. You know, from when I was 17, I wanted to be a recording artist. And then at like 25, 26, I didn't know what I wanted to be. And that was a scary place to tell the truth. And I understand where like when a lot of people have experience as well. If you haven't already, can you please follow the podcast? It really helps us grow and it tells the apps that it's a podcast worth listening to. Which the fact that you're listening to means that it is and other people need to know about it. In Apple Podcast, if you click the three dots in the top right of your app, Look for the follow button and click on it. And in Spotify, the follow button should be just below the show's artwork. Now let's get back into today's episode. When you don't know where you want to be or what you want to go into, you've also got a family to look after. There's another part of the element too that is normally your partner. How was that relationship like? And how did how did your your wife help you like navigate that? <sighs> wow. It's almost like there was two worlds, you know. So my first daughter, um, it was like my partner with my first daughter that, that was frayed, you know. Um, and it's almost like my daughter was the beginning of the end in that sense, in that relationship, you know, not me being a father, not us be parents. Um, but being able to move on, you know, and being there for my daughter, just got a really solid relationship with my daughter. Just, it would have to be that anyway, because of just how serious and how weighty the responsibility of father was on my life, you know, um, but then moving on. Um, I met, I met my, my wife who I'm with now, you know, we've been together over 18 years, you know, been married. Yeah. She's been solid. Um, been a real encourager, been a real friend. 
and helped me to make sense of a lot of things as well. You know, it's 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 so important. I believe it. It's so important that whoever is a life partner to you, or you've got an intention of having that kind of relationship, that you've got that you've got that friendship first. I think sometimes, I think sometimes just um, sexuality and sex and that kind of relationship straight away, I think sometimes that can be the beginning of the end. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm speaking and I know that a lot of times it's the beginning for a lot of times men are very different. You know, it's like, and I can't speak for all men, and I and I wouldn't put that kind of blanket statement out there. But when the foundation is platonic, when the foundation is friendship, or the foundation is, you know, having having the capacity to have deep, meaningful conversations, that creates a great environment for the for the different things you're going to experience in life, you know, because in your relationship, you're going to, you're going to be changing as a person. You're going to be going through ups and downs. You're going to be having frustrations and ultimately having a great relationship. And for me, it's about marriage. You know, I feel the power of marriage and the power of that level of commitment to say that I'm, I'm with you and I want to be with you and I want to work through life with you. And I want to, I want you to know that I'm here and vice versa. And it's not always romantic. It's not always, you know, flowers. Like, you know, like, it's just not always the novelty. And I think that that's why a lot of times people go from relationship to relationship because they're in search of that feeling that they get at the start, which is novelty. And novelty, you, you'll never have that again when you're in a long relationship, it will never be that because you've gone past that stage. You've gone past the stage of the niceties. You've gone past that stage of just seeing someone at their best. You know, you can't always see someone at their best. Do you know what I mean? Like, especially you meet someone in a club, you see them at their best. <laughs> you know? Got the, got the hair, the makeup, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you're so like, I'm going to get you sucker in it when, when, when she takes off her wig and takes off her leg and, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, if you can fall in love with that person, you, you can have the person with the to You know, it's just, it's just. So for me, I, I, I did learn that through, I feel it takes growing up. You can grow older and don't grow up. You know, a lot of people grow older, but they don't grow up. They're still doing what they was doing in their teen years. They're still doing what they was doing as a youngster because it takes a level of commitment to delve into a relation that you're going to have some level of safety and vulnerability. Um, and it's risking it, it's risk, but definitely my, my wife is like just a blessing and uh, yeah, it has really helped me along this path. It's amazing to hear and it's a question I was asked, especially from, from black men, because 
you don't often hear us talking about whether it's our partners, our wives, or whatever, and that side of things. But I think it's actually quite important to hear because there are people who have spaces and places who have relationships where actually, you know what, my partner is my is my friend. That's my peace. And that sounds so crazy to hear because you always hear the other side of things. But I was like, no, I want to promote and talk about relationships where reality is, yes, it's ups and downs. It's a journey. It's an evolution of you consistently getting to know that person. But you're going through that together. And you, you hear you talk about your wife, um, your daughter, and all that kind of stuff for me is just... And then I look at you doing that, and you then step it into creating what you have done with like every child is a mentor it's like it all begins to kind of make sense because you are going through your own personal journey and then you stepped into mentorship because it gave you that sense of purpose but being you you didn't just become a mentor <laughs> you took it to you took it to a whole different level it's, it's so true and and I I feel that it, it's like it's the trials in your life and the challenges in your life that prepare you to become who you already are and who you were born to be. Let me break that down. In our organization, we've got a saying that goes like this: within every caterpillar is a butterfly. And within every person, there's a better version of themselves. There's a better than, you know. So you're whatever you are, but inside there's a better you. So ultimately, you're already that person. It's just that person needs to be drawn out. And what draws that person out a lot of times, it's not a cognitive activity. People think that they can become who they want to be through cognition. It's, it's not that, it's usually trials. It's usually challenges, it's usually difficulties, it's usually the things that test you, that almost break you. It's those things that help you to become you. And I think sometimes you just have false expectations because if you're going to be in a relationship with someone and you think that they need to be perfect or they need to be on their best behavior all the time. And I'm not talking about infidelity and all that kind of stuff. I believe that, you know, if you're committed, you should be committed, you know, and you should be loyal and, and work, work your stuff out, you know, and life's life. But I'm not talking about in that way. I'm just talking that we are all imperfect people. And it's two imperfect people coming together. So there's definitely going to be imperfection. It's about how much, how much grace do we have? How much patience do we have? How much forgiveness do we have? How much, you know, it's all of that. It's, it's, it's like that, you know, and it's all of my journeys, my challenges, my ups, my downs, my relationship with myself. You know, I think sometimes the relationship that I've had with myself, 
I've not felt comfortable in my own skin or I've not even liked myself. I've not liked who I was at that moment in time. And that has been some of the times that has helped me to spurn to develop myself and go to the next level because like now I don't like that person. And I feel all of that has helped me to understand people. And I believe we're more similar than different. And that's why I'm, I, I, I know I'm an exceptional mentor and practitioner and so forth. Not because of my brilliance, but because of my struggle and because of my challenges and because of my insecurities and because of um, my limitations and my weaknesses and the things that I've had to overcome. When I started to mentor, I started to just understand that the person in front of me, they've got their own version of the stuff I've, I've gone through. They've got their own version, like they've got their own things they're wrestling with. They've got their own things that they find it difficult. They've got their own, whatever it is, I know that they've got their own version. Like they might be able to cover it or they might be able to give a persona or they might be able to be give a facade. But I know you've got to have some stuff that you still try to work through. And that is what has inspired me to really, you know, pour into young people and be a mentor you know, just really progressed and just really transformed young people, then was able to develop mentoring programs, then able to quantify the impact of mentoring and create mentoring strategy and policy and all that kind of stuff. And then train mentors to be able to do that and then be able to create case studies to show that it's done and then doing it in different settings, doing it in, you know, in primary setting, in state sec setting, in, in, in private independent setting, in, and then doing it with business people, then doing it you know, with police and then doing it with all different types of people and just see that this stuff works because really as people, we're so similar. We're just so similar. We need the same things. We need um, validation. We need respect. We need love. We need to be understood. We need the space to be ourselves. We need those things. We need a sense of belonging. Those things go beyond ethnicity or culture or money. And those are the things that I realized that's been what I've been working on and helping people to work through and helping young people to, to find purpose. Young people are absolutely brilliant. And a lot of times they're just under the governance of, they're under the governance of parents and, and, and great parents and good parents, you know, and even parents that are not good help us to become who, we're, we're meant to be but even parents are still imperfect you know parents are children they're human you, you know to someone um so so yeah so so got into the world of mentoring and yeah it's it's been my, my pain has become my power you know um my brokenness my has become my wholeness with everything that you have done and achieved with every child is a mentor like you said whether it's been private public international government policies white papers all that kind of stuff do you ever look back and say i'm i'm proud of what i've, I've, I've achieved or do you just keep on going and don't really look back at all 
I think the only times I look back and and reflect on what I've done is one of the few okay occasions. But a lot of times where people have raised it. Do you know what I mean? Like whether someone asks for a bio or uh, someone talks about what I've done or what I'm doing or I speak to someone and I've seen where they are and I've seen myself previously 15 years ago to, and I see in that sense um, it's like I'm prompted or I'm inspired to and at the same time a lot of time because of this vision that I have on the inside it's hard to put into words. It's like, it's like a realm. It's like a world on the inside that I can see. Do you know what I mean? It's like a vision, like I'm going towards something. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like I'm pursuing something and it is about more impact. It is about, you know, seeing like the impact that I've created already or what organizations created or what young people have created, experienced, like being able to say, if more young people had that experience, that would be great. You know, more parents were exposed to the work that we do. Because when we support parents and then like, I wish I knew you existed, uh, you know, they brought their child to counseling or they brought their child to psychotherapy or they brought their child to something or they're kind of at their, their, their wits end and then they find out about us and then they're like, I wish I knew about you for years. You know, and being able to turn families around and, you know, to sort of see the impact. It's like, I'm driven to say, I want to see more of that. You know, I want, so, so I'm always looking for the more, you know, um, but the reality of it is what I am going through more recently in my life is, is the need and the importance and the benefits of being grateful. You know, like really grateful and, you know, being at church and being around different people. A lot of times when you see what people are praying for or what they want in life or what they're working towards and, and you see what you actually have, sometimes the reason why I'm not content as I should be is because I'm lacking gratitude. You know, and it's that, and it's being able to have that balance. It's not either or. It's still being able to say having vision or having purpose or having a desire to to do well and do more. At the same time, being very cognizant and and aware of what I've already achieved. It's like that tension in the in 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 the in in the middle because I think there's probably almost like a fear, I guess, of becoming complacent if there's too much appreciation or, or being settled at what's been done before that starts the pursuit forward. But I feel it's healthy, you know, to, to camp at 
at what you've done already and what you've achieved and you know like encouraging yourself and like being grateful and and like and like even rewarding yourself like saying you've done so well look at what you've overcome look at how many times you thought that you wasn't going to make it and look at how you've kept going and look at what you've made out of yourself look at what you've gone past and sometimes I feel we don't give ourselves enough kindness and enough care and enough appreciation for the fact that we actually have kept going yeah it's important I'm so aligned to you actually you saying that because I think we can easily get caught up in the the moment or the day-to-day or the issues and struggles that we have around us that we actually forget what we've gone through and what we've been able to keep going through because actually remembering that helps us to know that actually I've got past some of my worst days that I thought were absolutely going to break me so therefore I can keep on going and therefore I can keep on pushing through this so it's um, it's definitely a really important reflection to have. It, it's really important. It's really important for your self care. It's important for your self love. You know, as it says, love your neighbor like you love yourself. I feel sometimes what we've done is we've tried to love our neighbor, we've tried to love our colleagues, we've tried to love our children. We try to love our partners. We try to love different people. And it's not been on the template of us loving ourselves. It's not been based on love your neighbor as you love yourself. And a lot of times we just have not been gentle enough to ourselves and said, I'm going to love you. And love just means I just accept you. I just really accept you. I accept the good and the bad. I accept who you are now and who you want to become. I accept you and I'm with you. And it's like we can do that for others. And a lot of times we just start do it for ourselves and if we could do it for ourselves our 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 personal experience of life would be so much more healthier richer and and better because we can't take, and I, I don't think we want to take, like, like we need to hear what I'm about to say. We can't take the challenges out of our lives. And I'm saying we don't really want to take the challenges out of our lives. Like some of them are actually what's building our inner muscles and inner capacity to, to do what we need to do and be what we need to be. It's like when you go to the gym, 
it's it's the resistance that makes you stronger you know if there's too much resistance then you can't move anything and that, that that's not good because it's not helping and if there's not enough resistance it's like it's not enough challenge so so we we want the resistance and we want the challenge because we need it but it's us loving ourselves during the process and that's what helps our lives be better because if we can have a more positive perspective even how we look at our problems will be different and that's what will help us in our in our roles of leadership because I really feel that I feel leadership is such a special privilege but it's such a difficult challenge because you're just one person really it's like everyone else like those that you're leading you're just one person and you've got your own challenges and that's why I'm not that hard on some people like 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 when I think about even like a prime minister I think my gosh, like me leading my home and having my role and responsibility in my home is challenging <laughs> enough. You know, we were running a business. It's like challenging enough, like getting it right and running the country right all the time. For any one person to take all of that responsibility, that's just a challenge. Do you know what I mean? And I think if we start engaging with our own humanity and we start being honest about our own flaws it's like to say don't don't throw stones when you live in glass houses but it's, that's what helps us to have the kind of love and care for ourselves because we realize that we all we all need that kind of understanding in some shape or form this podcast is sponsored by Mindset Shift, a leadership development company focused on helping you lead from the inside out and from the outside in. We work one-on-one with senior leaders in organizations. We work directly with HR and other parts of organizations to help you create an authentic culture where your words and your values and your actions on the line will help you to navigate the complexity and the chaos that we all experience day in and day out. And we have a couple of openings for the one-to-one coaching this year. But that's something that you're interested in. If you want to work with a coach who can help you navigate this year to ensure that you're intentional, to take your leadership skills personally and professionally to the next level, send me an email at hello at mindsetshift.co.uk or just go to website www.mindsetshift.co.uk. Now let's get back into today's episode. I knew this was gonna go deep. <laughs> and we have we have gone we have gone deep. But I think it's been really, really necessary because as you were talking, I was thinking about actually a lot of what this sounds like to me is very much around reconnecting with the different parts of 
of who we are. And there's something that's powerful around that because when we are disconnected, we lose the fullness. We lose all our power. But being able to connect those dots is like, I don't know, you're a tree and tree has multiple roots. And the stronger those roots go into the ground, the longer that tree can stand and withstand the different element of the um the weather. And I love us, we have those roots, but they're currently not connected to the tree. They're just there right in front of us. And the more that we can do that, the more the resistance flows. But more importantly, it's also the the birthing of newness that we all have inside of us as well that we are currently also not utilizing. So it's like a superpower that we have, but we've it's, it's dormant right now. And being able to reconnect all of that together just supercharges us to a whole different level. Wow. Gosh. I feel as people were amazing. I, I feel people are greater than what they perceive because I believe people feel they need to become something else to be better. But when they're, they're already, they're already, you know, and this is where I say that a lot of us have got, you know, we've had similar experiences because I believe a lot of times that's a self-esteem issue. You know, when growing up for myself, I had low self-esteem because of certain experiences I had in life. You know, whether it's like where I lived, how I lived, whether it's that we couldn't afford a lot of things. So I couldn't have the nice things that a lot of different people had, you know, and how I felt about that. Do you know what I mean? How I felt about how I looked, how I felt about being me. And that implosion of negative perspective created low self-esteem so sometimes it's like in my life I have like had to do a lot to overcompensate and especially like you know like being as a black person I remember when I was growing up and my mom was saying like to to to, to be to be good you've got to be excellent when your counterpart when your white counterpart or your Asian counterpart can be good, you have to be excellent. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost like this, this hyper awareness <laughs> of that I've got to be better, 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 better. That's just pressure. That is just pressure. And I feel a lot of us are so wound up with a certain level of expectation that we put on ourselves and societies put on ourselves that we can't even see the greatness that lies within that is dormant that is gentle that is just there it's like we're trying too hard and i think it's almost like how do we how do we relax enough to like just flow into this place of who we are it's going to take a lot of courage because it takes the removing of the masks it takes the removing of the facades it takes the removing of this 
ultra brilliance and performer all the time. It's like, like it's okay not being okay. It's okay, like I'm not doing well. Like for someone to say that, they probably just couldn't do it. But a lot of times your support is not coming for you because you behave and it's like you don't need support. And I feel that's the biggest challenge for a lot of leaders because they feel showing up is being on top of everything. And being a good leader is like you've got everything in control. When being a good leader is, is being a good person, being a good leader is going first. I think that's the essence of leadership. And I feel we've lost it. The essence of leadership is that you're modeling. If you want your people to be well, are you being well? You know, if you want your people to feel they don't have to be perfect, are you showing your imperfections? That's what leadership is. And I feel that's why I said it's such a special privilege, but it's so challenging because it's almost like we really need to step back and be ourselves and to reconnect with ourselves. It's like, sometimes it's just asking questions like, what do I really like? What do I enjoy doing? You know, what is my dream? Where do I like going? Who would I like talking to? Sometimes we've become so busy so preoccupied with external achievement. We forgot the person who we was that helped us to get to this place. And sometimes it's just really revisiting those things. And for me, I knew I had to connect with God. You know, and, and I knew, I, I knew that, you know, and, and that's one thing I am coming to terms with more and more that I need to be that as well and not afraid to share my faith or afraid to share what people think like it's me it's it's all of me you know a lot of times we're, we're very brave to share our aspirations or our or our gift or our skill or our talent or our this or our that but they were scared to show what has really helped us to be able to accentuate all of that or what has given us the gift to have that yeah and to go back to what you said about that roots in the tree put it as a charger a lot of us are the phone our spirit, our life is like the lead and the plug. And a lot of times, God is the electric. And we can be plugged in the wall. How many times have you done it? We're plugged in the wall, but not turned on the charger. It's just there. And it's just at the same level of energy.
I think it's planting. And that for me is like an illustration of connecting with my faith and connecting with with the Lord. You know, um, and understand that the Lord just wants us to become the best version of ourselves. And that's a deeper conversation. It's a deeper conversation because I think a lot of people, what, what they think is, it's not what they think is. It's not just about religion and do's and don'ts and going to places. It's about a real connected relationship. Yeah, that's what it's about. That's the, that's the real fundamental understanding of, of faith is about relationship, not the religions and the practices and the rules. It's about real openness and vulnerability and authenticity that it kind of comes comes with it but like I said that's a it's a whole deeper conversation <laughs> for sure and today's conversation has been very enlightening and very opening and one just before we wrap I just want to appreciate you just just keeping it real and just really going into spaces and places and talking about topics which I not really talked about. They're talked about in hidden platforms and they're things that are really relevant to people. But being able to just discuss it like this, like we've just kind of done, um, for me has been really, really important. I know other people are going to be inspired by this and learn from this as well. So definitely appreciate that. And just before we wrap up, I guess my last question to you would be, how do you define leadership? I think true leadership really is about really understanding, understand that you're being led. Um, if we can't be led as, as leaders, we're not going to be great leaders. If we're not going to be able to, to have humility, to follow someone's guidance, the things that you learn as a follower help you as a leader. And I think there's a lot of constructs around leadership is around title and around being able to boss other people about. But I feel some of the best leaders, some of the best leaders are leaders in voluntary and community and faith-based organizations. The reason I say this is... Um, if you pay someone to, 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 to follow you, they have to follow you to keep their job. A big part of that motivation would be that they've got to follow you because they are paid to follow you. When people follow you voluntarily, that's when you have a different level of influence and a different level of leadership. And I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's just based on, and I hope everyone gets me when would I say this, it's, it's not. It has to be a faith-based organization or community organization or a sports organization or voluntary. I'm just saying the principle that if you can get people 
to want to follow you. And it's not their role. And like they will follow you above and beyond because they admire or respect or see your leadership. That's powerful leadership. And that's usually exemplified by sacrifice. It's exemplified by you going first. Every child needs a mentor.com. That's the website. Find out a bit more about Herman and his organization. There is a podcast that he has on there. Um, Find your blog. They can learn more about. But then there's gems is dropping on LinkedIn. And there's a lot more stuff to come. You just heard a little bit about it today, but a lot more, there's a lot more to come, you know? So look out, look out for him, listen to him, connect with him. And just learn how you can keep on growing and evolving, especially the, the leaders and organizations and those who are just trying to figure out what their next moves are. A great personal content that I can highly recommend for sure. So thank you very much again once today for coming on the podcast. It has been a pleasure, sir. Thank you. Thank you for your questions. It's, you know, your guidance and for being bold enough and being consistent enough to create the platform, you know, for me to share. I, I, I know what it takes to, to, to have a podcast and it takes a lot of commitment, you know. Um, so thank you and thank you for creating the space for, for authenticity. And I would say just continue doing what you do. Thank you very much. While you're still recovering from that amazing conversation, let me give you a quick preview of what we got coming up next week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. At the risk of sounding arrogant, I can go and find another job. It's not, I don't need to be here. You know, look, my, I've got a lot going on in my nogging. I, I am gold dust to organize I can go. Um, it really is as simple as that. And fortunately for me and them, um, because I actually did like the company, they did listen to me. And I, I think there was something very, I was always very honest. I was very transparent with candidates and um, about what my vision was for that organization in regards to the demographic and how I wanted it to look like.